Hi, dear listeners. We have today on the podcast Antti Vasara, the president and CEO of VTT, the Technical Research Center of Finland. We talk about purpose-driven leadership, motivating very smart people, and discuss about how innovation is about listening and understanding your customers. Tune in to listen to a fascinating discussion with a great mind. You just need to step back and try to create the enablers and then then let smart people go and go in directions that you would have never thought that would be even possible. Hello and a warm welcome to the NLN podcast. The NLN is the Nordic Leadership Network. We're a team of seven leaders, coaches, facilitators and speakers. We help develop the leaders of today and tomorrow. We challenge teams to achieve high performance. We help companies to implement strategy and get stuff done so they can flourish and grow. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we are here today uh, to interview uh, a special guest, uh, Antti Vazara, which is the president of uh, VTT, which is the leading uh, research innovation in Finland. Hello, Antti. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Nice to be and here. Hi, nice, yeah, nice to have you here. Nice to have you here. And we also have heard now David Goddard, one of our network members. Hello, David. Good morning. Good morning. And we also are joined by our special host, Nick Vertigans. Hello, Nick. Hello, Stefano. Good morning. Good morning, gents. Good morning, everyone. So let's kick off. Auntie, you have more than 30 years of experience in different fields. Uh, you started taking a PhD in technical physics. And then uh, after a while, you joined the dark side and worked as a management consultant at, M- at McKinsey. <laughs> after that, you started a career as an executive, uh, first in a software security company, then with Nokia in the mobile sector, uh, where you headed the business unit that brought us the legendary communicator phone. Uh, and after that, you got a three-year stint in the service business uh, like in a global company like Tieto. And finally, in 2015, you went back to your roots and you're now the president of VTT, which is the research center of Finland, meaning the heart of innovation of one of the most innovative countries in the world. Does that cut it? Is that you? It's, um, it's, it's professionally me, yes. I, I don't know if, if I joined the dark side when going to McKinsey, <laughs> but it was at least a different type of school that I went there. So, so lots of learnings from there. I see, I see. Good. So we, we have the right person on the podcast. Great. Uh, the, the first question I, I wanted to ask uh, is, uh, what, what do you think are the key differences in leading research organizations compared to leading product or service development organization, if any. Uh, you've been doing both, so I, I would like to hear your opinions on that. Yeah, so of, of course there are, there are even lots of differences, but kind of like if you look at the why VTT exists or why a product or a service business exists, that, that's very much the same thing. So, so we are also a customer service organization. Our job is to fulfill... Um, needs that customers have for us, uh, our customers are businesses, companies, those kinds of things, but it's also the society at large. So that, that, that's perhaps then a already bit of, bit of a difference. Our owner is, is the government and, and that, um, the, 
what they are expecting from us is actually not the dividend stream, but they expect an innovation stream in the society. So, so that's where, of course, it starts to a little bit diverge from a normal company that, that our owner is not like expecting that we, we pay back to them cash, but they expect them to see over a long time then the impact coming from the research that we do then that companies innovate, companies create new jobs and, and, and prosperity through that. But also then that the society at large gets, gets benefit from science and technology in a way then that society works better or there's, there's the citizens uh, have, have more well-being that they wouldn't have had, had uh, otherwise. Of course, then that where we where we also differ quite a lot from a normal company is then that we we do have more freedom in the sense that we can we we can imagine on one hand uh, topics that where we want to develop research excellence and collect develop new knowledge. So we are a little bit like a university, but then immediately when we have when we are kind of like involved in that one. We always need to be thinking about then that who is going to apply this for some. So, so we are never, never doing anything just for the sheer fun of it. But the, we, we do always have in mind that, that this needs to be a solution to some, some problem out there. And, and in that sense, then that we are sort of a good mixture between sort of an academic type type then that we can, we can take a view or vision then that, hey, this is an interesting area but then work like a company that, that we need to find an uh, implementation and, and innovation is innovation only when somebody is extracting value from that before that is just an idea. So it, it's in a way the best of both, both worlds, isn't it? It, it is, it is uh, or, or our job is to make it into best of both worlds. So, so of course, kind of like the, we can make it also worst of both worlds in a sense then that we just kind of like do research and nobody, nobody uses it or it's, it becomes sort of kind of like average stuff. So, so we use as our sort of a brand slogan uh, beyond the obvious uh, to both, both try to communicate and to the outside world that, that if you want to do something that extends your business or kind of like gives you new ideas, come to, come to VTT. But also it's sort of a challenge to our own people that, that there just isn't a market for average research. Nobody wants, no, nobody's going to ask for average research. So, so always when we do something, we need to be doing things which are cutting edge or a little bit go beyond than that what you can what you would ordinarily get and in that sense remind our people also then that we we need to be really really good at what we do we need to be world class so finland's best isn't isn't what we are after but we need to be out there with the with the world's best mm. otherwise we we can't justify our, our existence yep Mm. So it, it must be challenging to lead these this very smart people. Uh, I, I think it's the best part of the job in a, in a sense that the, um, the, the, smarter, the smarter the people working in your organization are, the, the easier time you will, you will have. Of course, there is uh, kind of like in a, in a research organization, you need to justify things. So, so you can't just basically say that do this because I told you so. Um, but, but, but you need to, you need to, you need to inspire. You need to try to motivate people. But, it, but in a, many ways, it is also then that you just need to step back and try to create the enablers, and then 
then let smart people go and go in directions that you would have never thought that would be even possible. And, and, and that, that's the reward, rewarding part that when you kind of like a little bit try to assemble that, that people have the enablers in place that they can go and do smart stuff. And then, then you come back in a few months or few, few years time and then it has blossomed there. That, that's really, really good feeling. Great. David, Nick, what have you heard? Lots, lots of stuff. Sorry, David, I'm going to jump in. Really fascinating stuff. Ante, first of all, you mentioned that, you know, nobody wants average research, average work. You need the best people. What's a tool or a tip that you could share with us on how you create the best people to deliver the best research? So I, I think where we have succeeded really well is that, that we are the people who work for us, they really have a sense of purpose. So, so when, you're, when you're at VTT and kind of we do high-level research and, and kind of world-class stuff, but also then that we are, you, you, you could say, challenge-driven in that we are looking for solutions to climate change or circular economy or how, how, the, how to handle aging population and kind of create well-being there and these kinds of topics it is easy to motivate or, 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 or we don't even have to motivate people, but people get motivated themselves that they understand that the work that they do have really a purpose. It is valuable. It is relevant. It is needed. So people are proud about uh, the type of things that they do. And, and I, I bet that it's easy to come home and tell that that this is what mommy or daddy is working on and kind of explain them that, hey, I'm, I'm bringing solutions to climate change. And, and when you have a sense of purpose, uh, then, then people also start using their own brain. And, and yeah. kind of like then that their, their creativity gets a boost from there. And they know that the, if, it, if it takes us in that general direction that we do these solutions, then it will be useful. And, and then then you get the serendipity and things start moving in a direction then that the that you get something else that kind of goes beyond the obvious ante thank you what a great answer david goddard thank you for that answer Andy. i think that there's a rich discussion vein there that we've already had maybe we could go on to the the next topic which would be you mentioned societal or global challenges that we have like aging population for example and circular economy um, challenges to around um, the climate emergency and so forth how do you see that the given the the current opportunity that we have through the pandemic for change what are the challenges that we should be addressing in the future um, that would require more research and innovation yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, somebody was just saying then that everybody's always fighting the last war and, and kind of like then that I think everybody was geared for a new financial crisis and thinking about, okay, how do we avoid that one? And then boom comes in a pandemic. And, and in certain ways, everybody has known that this can happen, but, but still I think that this, especially the sort of the Western hemisphere of the planet was a little bit caught by or or a lot caught by surprise then that oh geez actually a viral pandemic can happen so i i think that this will this will i or at least i hope it will lead lead to a boost in 
in how do we also prepare for these kinds of things in the future then that and, and collect taking seriously antibiotic resistance and these types of topics that that um, that we are actually not in, in in the rich part of the world we are not safe from from uh, lethal diseases and and dying so so even 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 healthy people can go and die because of some something like this so so i'm, I'm sure that the preparedness level will will go up at the same time it is sort of comforting to see that how quickly the system can readjust so i think that we will we will weather, weather this storm and we will figure out ways how, how, we, how we first of all get rid of COVID-19 or get it under control so that we can, we can get a little bit back, more back to normal. But, but the thing that I, I do worry about is that, that still that like, like there are climate change deniers, there are similarly sort of pandemic deniers. So, so every time thing like this happens, there's so much energy put, being put into saying that, oh, this is not happening, we don't have to care about this, and kind of just trying to ignore things away. It's just a and, little flu, basically. Yeah, it's, it's just a flu. But, but in here, um, there, there's no sort of, um, it, it's, it's, it, it's much more easy to quickly react to this thing, and there's not sort of a hysteresis here that it, it kind of like stays in the system for long. But with climate change, by the time that it turns out to this level of crisis, it is way, way, way too late to do anything. Hmm. So, so now we are testing our resolve to do uh, really big things and, and really change the, the way things work before we have uh, water sloshing, sloshing at our feet. So, so we need to be able to do the things even decades before the crisis really hits. So are we capable of that? Does the political system adjust to that? Or is it then that basically we will notice then that the water level has risen and then it will take decades and decades to fix the situation. So it's basically unfixable by that time. So, so in a sense that do, are we capable of learning from these things or do we just kind of like just want to go back to normal and then then wait for the next crisis to hit and then then always react when it's necessary and not not when it's possible mm. and how have you reacted in vtt so um, when we were chatting just just before we came on air you said that uh, um, it's been possible to carry on pretty much as normal in the labs because uh, the office workers are out the way. <laughs> yeah, let, you know, let, let us let us get on with our, our work. Um, have you been doing some some pivoting? You know, we've heard different guests talking about organisations that have changed what they're doing very dramatically, or is it just you know been be an opportunity to carry on deeper with research? So. So for, first of all, we we started out mid March when when the when the proverbial thing hit the hit the fan big way, then then we immediately started communicating to people that we have three priorities. Number one is that that we protect VTTers. So so our job is that that nobody nobody needs to get get sick sick because of this, and and also then that we do our societal part that we help stop the spreading of the virus. So that was clearly number one. Number two was that within the boundaries of this, that we try to continue to serve customers as normally as possible. So, so then, the, mm -hmm. please, when you go and do work at home and, and when you 
the selected people who are still at labs try to keep on uh, fulfilling customer promises as, as before. And third was then that, hey, let's do things then in a way, if possible, that, that when we emerge out of this, we are stronger than, than, than before. So, so we keep on developing things uh, when we have more time or, or, or space to do, do that. And, and I think that the, the priorities worked well for the people because it, it hopefully at least created sort of emotional safety in the sense then that we are not going to send them to, we're not going to send them to a minefield and, and wish them luck, but it's sort of then that the first priority is then that everybody can stay healthy, but then trusted then that people can then figure out themselves how to, how, how, how to continue the work in the best possible way. So, so we at least tried to give people autonomy and, 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 and um, p- power to um, adjust their work in a way that it makes sense. And, and people have responded really well. So, so I, I, I think that we have proven that we can be very flexible, but also in a sense then that people, people carry responsibility for the work that they do. So they, are, they, they want to do um, fantastic work. So, so it, it's not the question of control, but it's a question of then that you create the enablers and, and people, people, people deliver. What Antti has been touching in his first part of the podcast is a textbook example of great leadership. First, he spoke about giving people purpose, a guiding light for their work. Then, in difficult times, he highlighted how clear communication and clear priorities gave people emotional safety. Then he spoke about trusting people to do their best jobs and giving them autonomy to figure out how to do that. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Anthony. So, so maybe now we, we also had a, had a theme of, um, you know, thinking about what you just said with your, you know, top three priorities for COVID-19. So thinking ahead, what is the, what is the balance that, you perceive that we need to strike in terms of technical research and innovation versus behavioral and business model innovation what is the balance there yeah i've always wondered that are they even different things so in a sense then that they are i think they are commonly kind of like pitted against each other that kind of like you have to do either or I, i think most good models include both so so mm-hmm. in that sense then that the the I, I don't think that there is sort of a general rule of thumb that you spend x percent on this and uh, y percent on that one but it depends on the cycle of innovation where you're going and type of things that you're go, uh, doing but but like we we just had yesterday uh, one one meeting with a customer and introduced some some of the research that we have we have done and they were I think they actually like like also the research that we have done, but we also spoke about the business models that that some of the things enable for them. So so instead of just doing the same old same old with a little bit better stuff there, then they could also kind of like it it would if 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 they would have certain capabilities, they could change the way that they deliver value to their customers. And I think that 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 made made even more impact. To their thinking so in a sense then that that also for a research organization like that uh, like us we want to deliver research as service 
and and that includes then understanding that how the value is being created. So it's not just that we we manage to build a box that has wires sticking out from there and calc here use it, but it's sort of the we understand that the the value that our customer is trying to create and then then fit it into that one and then also have, we have we have service designers working for us we have commercial people working for us who can think about the whole whole thing. And that that I think is also what what needs to happen in companies that you don't you don't necessarily separate them, mm. but you include mm. them all. Mm. And in the end, innovation is about li- listening to customers, and and it it doesn't mean that you do what the customers want, but you do what the customers need, and that that's the that's the art and magic, art and magic there. So so and that that's what people value. It's very refreshing to hear what Antti thinks about innovation. He says that innovation is about listening to the customers, but not about doing what they want. Rather, doing what they need once you have a clear understanding of how value is created in their company. Excellent. That's a great answer. The, the, Thank the you. Rolling Stones had a song about that. Get, oh, oh you don't always get what you want but yeah 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 but it but it's also also i think that in the uh, uh, stefano was was referring to my 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 misspent youth at at mckinsey in, in a sense that the how 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 also at mckinsey i i i did learn that that kind of like that you created the most satisfied customer when you had when you had exceeded their expectations by doing something that they didn't even realize that they needed. Mm. But then, then it becomes obvious. And, and of course, that requires listening to their needs and, and those kinds of things. And I think research and, and delivering aircraft engines or whatever, any type of business is the same, that, that you need to be thinking about that how you go a notch, bef- notch yeah. beyond that what the customer asked. So what should we be doing at the moment then to emerge stronger that we can uncover those hidden needs? So I, I, I think that the, there's, there's a lot of discussion that do we go back to normal or is there a new normal? So I, I think that we, we need to free our minds from the past in a sense then that it, it will be a new normal that we're stepping into and we don't know what it is. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm an optimist, so I think that it will eventually be better normal that we, we step into, but, but still that it, it requires work. But for example, for research organization like us, it does emphasize the need then that, the, that we either need to find something that kind of like has, has immediate effect. So then that there's a company that's struggling after the economic crisis or because of the economic crisis. So how do we give them a boost immediately that they can, they can start growing their business? Or then that there is a company that's still doing well but can't afford to be, lo- be long-term, that we are sort of there outsourced long-term or we, 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 can, we, we help them with the long term so then that we can, we can extend their capabilities beyond what they are doing. And, and I think that that's same for all businesses to be thinking about them that, the, that uh, try to step into the shoes of the customer and then understand mm-hmm. that, that what, what, if, if they are not buying now, it's not because they're trying to be evil, but they are limited by something. So can we... Can we help them with that limitation or, or lessen it or remove it somehow? 
Lots of food, food for thought there. Um, Ante, I also wanted to ask you a question as well. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned that you've uh, also transformed into a part-time cook and cleaner. What kind of part-time cook and cleaner are you? <laughs> very, very lousy one, if you ask my kids. So, so of course, now they're, they're back at school, so I, my, my, my tasks have, have, have lessened there, but the... But um, it, it is, of course, this that kind of like when you're when you're at home, then then it, it's a new world that hasn't been necessarily exposed to me before because mm. I've been so much traveling at the office. But 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 it is it is one of these that where you sort of struggle with then that the on one hand you're present and you're physically present, but you're not necessarily mentally present because I'm mm. I'm all the time then. Then with the earphone, or I've been for two and a half months, basically earphones on and all the time staring at the screen. So, so the kids may be wondering then that how 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 does that make me make me more <laughs> present at home? But it's also been interesting and and rewarding to be at least a little bit more time spending with the kids during their normal yeah. normal normal daily routines, which have not been that visible before. But they are nice kids. Good. Excellent, excellent. Ati, thank you for answering all of our questions today, including that one. Stefano, David, any final thoughts or questions from your side? Yeah, I think Stefano has been very quiet, so I wonder what's going on in in that uh, great (laughs) Italian brain over there. I I, I was really enjoying listening to (laughs) Guanti. It it seems to pack so much knowledge in, in, in such such little time. So we, we heard about uh, mastery, purpose, and autonomy and how VTT uh, enables that. Uh, we, we heard this kind of need of uh, um, doing research we, while at the same time thinking about how that research can change the life of customers. And then uh, we, we also heard about the uh, needed mix or, or maybe uh, just up, up, just up position of uh, behavioral research, business model uh, innovation, and, uh, and technical research. So th- there was so much packed into, into this episode and in, into this ent- interview that really I was enjoying. That's, that's why I was silent, not because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have anything going through my head. Uh, so it, it's, it's been a real pleasure, Antti, uh, to, to host you. you here. Yep, my pleasure. It has, and it's customary that we end our podcast with a quote, and the quote for today comes from Antivasara, which is, we should free our minds from the past. Mm. Nice quote. Thank you. Nice quote. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it a lot. Hey, listener. It's Stefano here. Since you got until here... We think that you might like the podcast. It would mean so much if you could leave us a five-star review and share this with as many of your friends as possible. This will help us be discovered and spread the news. Can you just take five minutes and do that for us? Thank you.